Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 9th, 2011. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the audios you'll find there for download. There's hundreds to choose from and hopefully you'll get the shortcuts to understanding the big system, this big, uh, it's really a superstructure around the world over governments, uh, intertwining with them all, putting governments in power taking other ones down, amalgamating the whole planet, selling off countries. And you'll find, hopefully, the bigger organizations that set out a long time ago to make all of this happen. And it's an intergenerational agenda, and we're just living through one small part of it, albeit one of the havoc parts of it, because um, we're going through lots of the repercussions that your parents and so on were oblivious of. Do you really think that any person from the U.S., or England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, uh, any of the, the countries that fought uh, to, to keep their culture, they were told, in World War II, if they came back today, uh, would ever have gone and left the shores to fight uh, Germany in World War II if they saw what was going to happen down the road. And, and it was planned during their time too, even before they were born, but do you think they would have ever fought uh, to, to, to bring in really internationalism? you really think they would have gone? No, they wouldn't, of course. So they had to be lied to, and lied to they certainly were. So hopefully, as I say, I'll give you uh, shortcuts to understanding this incredible system you're living through. Our lives are one small part of it, and there's a lot more to come. We're going through the steer times, believe you me, and, and it's going to get really, really bad. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you so you could buy the discs and the books I have for sale at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. And you can use cash, and you can also use PayPal. You'll find the donation button on the com site. Use that and follow it with an email, name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Even though we've got a go slow in the postal system in Canada as they do their negotiations for uh, possibly striking eventually down the road or not striking, whatever it may be. Across the rest of the world, you've got MoneyGram, Western Union, and PayPal again. So, um, and remember, straight donations are certainly welcome in these times of inflation and everything going through the roof as they bring the first world countries down lower and lower and as we give more billions across the world called the redistribution of wealth right out of the Communist Manifesto. You're living through all of it, actually. And you don't even know it because they will know it. none of the media will ever relate communism to you in, in, in terms of what's happening today. They'll never relate it to you, and therefore you won't know, especially the young ones. You certainly won't know what, what it's all about. But we're on a, a big journey into an amalgamated planet that really is going to be run by a feudalistic system, as Professor Carl Quigley said. He should know because he was the historian for one of the biggest foundations and organizations that have worked towards this kind of system uh, for an awful long time. 
and big corporations now have incredible power over governments and whole nations. And, um, and some of the corporate leaders are actually going to all international meetings with NATO even and various other ones because their systems are integrated with the war industries and the collection of data, etc., etc. They're all part of the same structure. And we are going through the worst of times, as I say, a lot worse to come. As they bring austerity in and global warming and carbon taxes and more money for abroad and more and more and more money for abroad for, for all their corporate interests abroad, not to the poor people, mind you, and apart from that, anyway, charity is supposed to be the ones you volunteer for, not the ones that's taken out your paycheck. Back with more after this break. Folks, we're back and cutting through the matrix. This really is, like, I really look at young people and I, I feel sorry for them because they have no idea of the past at all. It's kind of been scrubbed out of the history books, even recent history, just scrubbed clean, and they're brought up in a fantasy land, mind-bombed with technotronics, basically, computers, uh, lots and lots of movies, bombarded with sex. Uh, they've already had their social engineering from school, and that's all it is now. School's meant to make you politically correct with a whole bunch of new concepts. If you're young, you don't know it's a new concept. And, of course, everyone's had the group think using them, so they want to, to be part of their peer group and not to be any different. So uh, they have no idea what they're getting born, uh, they're, they're growing up into. They've, they've had their share of uh, globalism, globalism too, multiculturalism, globalism, and there's a big difference between multiculturalism and globalism, a real difference, but of course they can't see that because there's a big political agenda behind all of it and they have no idea that they're going into a pretty hellish situation where as America gets slowly, piece by piecemeal system integrated with Canada, US, Mexico, we're all getting integrated by different laws all the time until eventually there's nothing left to integrate. You're, com- you're completely integrated. That's what happened to Europe. Same technique was used there over many years. So they have no idea that they're supposed to compete eventually with China. And that means wages and everything. I mean, think about it. It's, you can't do it, obviously. So, but this is what you're told you'll have to do. There's actually articles about that with, with top economists say, saying this kind of thing. You'll say, oh, you'll have to compete with China. Tony Blair just mentioned it the other day again. Oh, Europe has to compete with China. Really? Utter insanity. It seems like insanity and it seems chaotic, but believe you, it's a very, uh, a very wisely guided Chaos. It knows exactly where it's heading for. We do live in a system where everything is planned long in advance. Every, especially in the big things that happen on the planet, nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens even in economics by accident, like bank crashes and so on. It's all known years before uh, what could happen, and all these systems are set up to prevent it. So when it happens, it's because it was wanted. Same with the stock market. Stock market has always been full of bubbles. And nothing but but really optimism in this big casino ever kept it going. And therefore, economists were always told to lie to the public and tell them, oh, oh, things are great, things are fantastic, invest, invest. You keep the stock market going forever with the same bubbles. 
if you wanted to. It's a big Ponzi scheme anyway. There's always new money coming in. And that kind of camouflages all the weak bubbles. But uh, no, they decided to crash it then because it was time to bring in this planned austerity. Planned austerity. I remember when the Green Party in Britain, the leader came out and said, well, we'll have to get a, a situation going like we did during World War II where the public uh, really all pooled together. What they call it, actually, uh, in universities is, is positive freedom. It's where the only freedom you have is where you're all working, working collectively towards a goal, such as what the, the early Soviets did, too. All the public thought they were working towards a common, the common good, as they say, uh, a war towards the common good fighting all the obstacles in their way to achieve this utopia, you see. So uh, during World War II in Britain and elsewhere, you're on rations, um, you did what you were told, you gave up your rights, etc., went through checkpoints, and uh, you're obedient because it was wartime. And she actually said we should bring back the same scenario for the public here. It was much better then. People ate less and and so on and so on and so on. Control freak time. That's what we're going through today. And they couldn't kick, uh, kick off this whole era of uh, totalitarianism and tyranny across the whole planet at the same time, supposedly because of one man. One man who, who had been recruited years ago and trained by the CIA uh, to fight the Soviets when they were in Afghanistan. And an article came out just uh, June the 6th. It says CIA's Bin Laden Hunter from the CIA, top guy, was ordered to stand down ten times and uh, leave Ben Laden alone. This is Michael Schuer, the former chief of the Central Intelligence Agency's Osama Bin Laden unit, told the UK Daily Telegraph in a recent interview was prevented from capturing or killing the terrorists by superiors on at least ten separate occasions. The 22-year CIA veteran turned whistleblower resigned from the agency in 2004, disgusted by the government's lies surrounding the terror war and he's been embarrassing the U.S. establishment ever since. In 1995, Shur was selected to lead the spy agency's bin laden efforts, but then the militant Islamist was exiled in Sudan after angering Saudi authorities. You know, his relatives, you know, the royal family there. Bin Laden was uh, running several businessmen in the African, or businesses in the African nation that Shur suggested disrupting. We formulated operations and submit them for approval, but they would not approve any of them, the ex-CIA official told the Daily Telegraph. If we were able to do a serious economic blow, it could have been a showstopper. And the next year, it goes on and on with all the times we could have caught him, captured him, killed him, and each time uh, the higher ones above him uh, told him to lay off, just leave him alone. You see, there are big plans for Bin Laden, you see. And you couldn't have kicked this off. I mean, he was kind of known, but it's kind of semi-known to your subconscious from the media over the years. And anybody else would be, you know, we wouldn't even remember the name. It would mean nothing to us. So he's a kind of star in the wings waiting to be vaulted onto the world stage. And that's why they needed him, of course. He had nothing to do with it, as far as I'm concerned, bringing down the towers. But that's the official uh, authoritarian historical perspective now. That was him that did it this caveman, and uh, the whole world had to lose all the rights for it, perpetual wars across the world, uh, perpetual police states across the world, all because of this one guy. You know, I'll put this link up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and let you read it for yourselves. It's interesting, too, (laughs) when you read the article, remember Netanyahu gave a speech to the U.S. Congress on May the 24th, I think it was, 
and he got 29 standing ovations from the U.S. taxpayers, uh, congressmen, uh, on his views of Israel and how he'll stand firm and all the rest of it. 29, st- this, I think that's more than any president's ever had. But it's not a surprise when you see who the congressmen are and where their allegiances actually lie. And I'm not kidding about that. Two plus, they all get incredible funding to get into office by APEC, and that's been all the major media too, most powerful, wealthiest uh, lobbying group uh, basically on the planet. And it's just astonishing to, to look at the, 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 this article here. I'll also put up at cuttingthroughmates.com at the end of the, the night. And he's talking about they won't return to the, the 1967 borders and all the rest of it. It's such a joke because there's very little of Palestine left anymore. For the Palestinians, look at the maps. Look at the maps yourselves and go back over the years, and you see this little patch left there that's Palestine, and there's very little left. So it's, it's a kind of a moot point to even talk about it, uh, and uh, they, they won't be happy until there's no Palestinians at all. Anyway, I'll put that up there as well for you to to read. And I can remember when the Prime Minister of Canada not so long ago went over to Israel, and it's on it was on the CBC News. And uh, it kind of shocked uh, anybody who was actually awake and listening. And, and he, he came back and said that the Israel Prime Minister had asked Canada to take all the rest of the Palestinians over to Canada and pay for them coming. Here's who's power for you. Well, you don't get if you don't ask, right? That's a fact of life. And also, to, 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 it's interesting, too, uh, how they time things, because uh, that was in May that Netanyahu came over for his Oscars, you know, in the Congress there. And on June the 8th, uh, it was an anniversary for uh, the USS Liberty. Amazing story, I'll put this link up too, of how a U.S. warship was attacked by the Israeli Air Force and almost sunk. It was a miracle it wasn't sunk. Lots were killed and injured, but it was attacked. And I think the whole scam was that they hoped, they were trying to blame it on the Egyptians at that time, and, they ho- and of course, that would be an excuse for America uh, to come into the war on, the, on behalf of Israel. So they, they got Israel to try and bomb the ship and, and sink it. It's, it's never been settled that. It's been an awful thorn in the side of a lot of people. But uh, it won't go away. It keeps resurfacing. And this is the scams of warfare. As, as I said at the beginning of this, this broadcast, do you really think anybody from any nation would have gone and fought against Germany? Uh, if they knew what the big plans were for that war and after that war, that war was necessary to bring in the United Nations and the whole big agenda for internationalism and denationalization, and then eventually down to uh, running a world government. Do you really think any of them would have gone off? And they were being told you're fighting for your beliefs and your, 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 your cultures and, and so on. When the liars that, that were setting it all up knew darn well it was to bring in globalism and internationalism and the end of the nation state. Think about that. Think about it. And just like this one with the liberty, you'll never get the truth of what really happens. I know for a fact from, from uh, U.S. ex-naval guys I know who were also um, on aircraft carriers at that time um, as that little war was going on, that they're, 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 all the aircrafts were on deck, uh, fully armed, some with even what would today be called battlefield nukes, 
in case Israel started to lose the war when Egypt came in. That's been something that's kept out the history books as well. Anyway, uh, we live in such an amazing time, you don't even know where to start. You really don't. And again, I feel sorry for the younger people because I have no idea of what the Soviet system was, what true socialism is supposed to be, and how it used to be before all this happened. But it still pretended we had nations after World War II right up until recently. They have no idea what it was like. And so they think it's all quite normal, you see. But during the Soviet era, big experimentations were going on. In, in social modification, behavioral modification, etc. Big experiments are going on nationwide. And I'll talk about this when I come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about how youngsters really have no idea of the, the, the kind of experimentation that's gone on in the, their parents' time and grandparents' time when the big nationalist, socialist uh, countries came out, the communist countries came out, uh, really doing the same kind of experiments, all leading in the same direction to get everybody into the workforce. And eventually they hoped actually that the state would take care of the children, even from birth and the parents. You wouldn't even have parents. You wouldn't know who your parents were. That was the really the, the ideal system that they had worked out, and they wrote screeds and screeds of paper on it and books upon it too. But instead, of course, they managed to get the parents out, and uh, they did all kinds of tricks to get the women out to work, starting off with extra, you know, spending money was the, the thing that they started pushing initially. And eventually, of course, as they devalued the the, the coinage and the money, uh, you had to get two incomes to even pay the rent, generally. That's how it was for most working-class people. But anyway, the the so-called countries that had fought for freedom and preserving their cultures and systems during World War II uh, used to laugh at the Soviets. Look what they're doing now, and and uh, and they're getting women to act like men and, and, and do men's work and all the rest of it. And now you have nothing to compare anything to. You understand, they, used, they always said that you need an enemy in the world to compare your system to theirs to see how good you have it, you see. But when that enemy's gone, when you have no more enemies, you see, you're global, uh, they can do anything, they can go forward the whole system. But then they have to come out with, with even more of Soviet-type propaganda, to me, and it sounds ridiculous. The propaganda itself sounds ridiculous to most people. But the EU Union, the thing that Karl Marx wanted to happen, an amalgamated European Union under a parliament which was going to be under a world parliament, um, was going to control all different ex-countries and the men and the women and the children. Uh, and, of course, they've achieved most of that through the EU, which isn't really the new super politburo for, for, for Europe. That's what it is. And here they're telling women in, in Europe now, it says you've got too many housewives. So Brussels, you know, where their parliament is, sends a memo to Germany, Austria and Holland ordering women to get jobs. Right? Ordering women. Who, the, who, who, what do they think they are? <laughs> Never mind who do they think they are. What do they think they are, right? So listen to the wording, though. They've got a whole bunch of goals to really that they're after at the same time. 
says the EU wants Europe's biggest economy to avoid looming labour shortages in the future by dismantling barriers to women entering the workforce. Now, when the women are in the workforce, they're not having children. And at the same time, you say, avoid looming labour shortages in the future. That's because they're not having children. And the more you get out to work, the less children will have. So you bring in more immigrants. That's the whole idea. That's what they use in Britain and elsewhere, too. This was an agenda, you see. Germany must better integrate women into the labour market, said the EU Commission in a report on the German economy. There are more women in universities across the Western world than, than men, young men today. Lots more. Germany, but, uh, but also Austria and the Netherlands, should look at the example of the northern countries, said President Jose Manuel Barroso, in a reference to Scandinavia. And that's what they always do. They give you fake references. That means removing obstacles for women Older workers, see, they want you to work till you're dead so you don't get to collect your pension. They want to use your pension money. Foreigners, so they want massive immigration. Foreigners and low-skilled job seekers to get into the workforce. Excessive early retirement regulations need to be abolished. Work till you drop. That's the idea. A whole bunch of goals accomplished at once, you see. And all the countries are doing this, by the way, going this way. The Commission recommends that Germany take steps such as creating more childcare places the state will look after the child again, the old socialist system, and reducing income tax for dual earners. Taxing couples separately instead of as a pair could encourage more part-time second income earners to take up full-time work. In other words, what's the point in getting married? Hmm? When you get taxed more than you would if you were single. Just 2.2% of leadership positions in Germany's top 100 companies are held by women, according to a survey by the German Institute for Economic Research. But the the uh, Conservative-led coalition government of Chancellor Angela Merkel balked earlier this year at legislation to even things up. So they've got a woman who's running the country, but it's not enough for them. I mean, you know, but there's never enough for these crazy folk, you see. There's never enough uh, fairness for crazy people. I should look up that... That little, uh, it was a short film actually I put up before. Uh, it was giving you a kind of comical, futuristic look at a society totally socialist, communistic, where those who have, who have abilities, special abilities, athletes and so on, are given deliberate handicaps to make everybody equal. Great music in it too, by the way. I'll find that link and put it up again tonight to show you where, where they'd like to have you all. Where they put big heavy weights on ballet dancers, for instance, so the better ones uh, won't outshine the ones who are just average, you see. This is social engineering on a grand scale. Is that what your governments are for? Huh? You know, most folk think that's what governments are for now. They've been trained that way, so they, oh, yeah. yeah. And then you have the, the parallel government, which, of course, is comprised... Um, along with the foundations that fund it all, that really are just fronts for tax tax escapes, really are loopholes uh, for the big corporate bankers and international corporations, which the same bankers own as well, by the way. But uh, they use the foundations to fund the parallel governments, and part of the parallel government, apart from the armies of NGOs for every possible scenario, you also have the ones comprised of ex-politicians and ex-high-level bureaucrats across the world that quickly talked about and Thatcher talked about. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the parallel government. And just before I continue on that line, that little short movie I was talking about, a totally socialized society where they actually handicap healthy people, was called 2081. And it was a short story based on Kurt Vonnegut. Um, and you might find it up there yet. I don't know. It was up on the internet. You might only find the trailer for it now. I don't know. But it was well worth watching, but 20 minutes long. Back to the parallel government. As I say, they'd never waste the guys who've already met their, their counterparts, the other psychopaths in the other countries that were uh, selected by the bankers as prime ministers and presidents. And uh, they, they use them after they've gone out of office. And uh, they all know each other. And that's exactly what uh, they said, that we can get things done, things done without being responsible to the public with a parallel government. But once in a while, the ones that are more psychopathic and, and show business than others... And by the way, show business and psychopathy are very closely linked because one of the largest groups of psychopaths are the attention-hysterical-seeking psychopaths. And that's politicians and actors, by the way. Anyway, Tony Blair uh, demands more allied military action. He wants more wars against Arab nations, literally. And, uh, well, you know, why isn't he off enjoying all the millions he got rewarded with for getting all these other previous wars going? Because that's what he got paid for. That's why he, this guy here you is know, a, a little ham actor who waves his hands a lot. Yeah. Britain and its allies should be ready to mount Libya-style interventions in other Arab countries, Blair declared today. The former prime minister committed British troops to military action in Afghanistan and Iraq says that Europe and the United States must drop a proper plan to support the so-called Arab Spring. In other words, uh, all of the, the front groups that are causing the uprisings, they're well funded, of course, by the same countries, the U.S. and Britain, to, to do so. A new introduction to the paperback version of his memoirs. Oh, his memoirs. I, I'm, a, I'm a just, I just dying to read his memoirs. I, I, yeah, not... <laughs> It says, Mr. Blair says, we need to have an active policy. Be players and not spectators sitting in the sands. I'd like to put the uniform on him and send him in. How about that? We should send all these characters in to war. They can lead us and show us by example. How about it, folks? Hmm? Anyway, applauding or condemning as we watch, he says, like it or not, we have to participate. None of these guys take off their suits and ties, you know, except when they're doing odd things with children and things like that, you know. He comes up in the paper once in a while. He argues that a Libya-style operation should take place only when regimes have excluded a path to evolutionary change. In other words, for, this is the same agenda as when Bush was in. And it doesn't matter who's in now with Obama or, or, or Britain. It doesn't matter what party you think is in. They're all the same. Because it's called revolutionary democracy, forcing this farce of democracy across the world by the points of a, a bayonet, basically, or, or, or bombing them into submission. That was, that was revolutionary democracy. Mr. Blair admits that because of what happened in Afghanistan and Iraq, some leaders will, not, uh, will be advised to stay out of the Arab world and that interfering would make things worse. I don't notice much public appetite in the U.S. or Europe, he concedes. I guess we're not all bloodthirsty like he is. You must say like watching it on TV. But he insists the alternative point of view is we have major interests engaged in the region, of course, all oil and so on, 
uh, we have no real option but to be active. So let's go and steal the royal and kill them all and force them to fake democracy. And then they bring in UNICEF, of course. Brazil, you know, these up-and-coming countries, and India uh, must go along with UN regulations to get all the, the, the capital flow that, that's funneled into India, where uh, all our countries are funding India to come upwards. Our tax money is doing that. We're still paying for abortions in China, the, the West. We're paying for the abortions in China as they rake in trillions every year since they're the only manufacturer authorized to be so in, on the whole planet. But in Brazil, they actually, when they found out that they had a government that UNICEF, United Nations again, educational bunch, uh, were, were one of the things you had to accept was the toolkit to teach homosexuality in schools and that it was already being taught as part of this deal as being an up-and-coming country a most favored nation trading status group, uh, the, the Brazilian government tossed it out and says no. So the, the UN says, oh, you got to take that if you want to be up and coming. I'll try and find that article and put that up for you as well. Anyway, it says, uh, and the extracts released last night, Mr. Blair makes no comment on the, his 2004 deal in the desert with uh, Colonel Mahamar Gaddafi, uh, which helped turn the Libyan leader from an international pariah who exported terrorism to an ally of the West. Defending the current action in Libya, Blair says that if it had not happened, Gaddafi would have retaken the country and suppressed the revolt with extraordinary vehemence, and many would have died. I mean, he really cares about that. When he was asked before what he thought about his getting Britain and every other country involved slaughtering Iraqis, he says he would do it all again. That was in a previous article. Utter psychopath. Utter psychopath. See, they have no conscience, you see. That's why they're well chosen by the ones that you know, run the world. That's what, who put them in, not the public. I liked Stalin. Stalin was honest about it. He said, I don't care who votes for whom. He says, I only care about who counts the votes. <laughs> China wants to construct a 50-square-mile communist China wants to construct a 50-square-mile self-sustaining city south of Boise, Idaho. Thanks to the trillions of dollars that the Chinese have made, you know, communist China, most favored nation trading status, you know, um, uh, flooding our shores with cheap products, China is now in a position of tremendous economic power. So why are we paying for their abortions? So what is China going to do with all of that money? One thing that they have decided to do is buy up pieces of the United States and set up special economic zones inside our country from which they can continue to extend their economic domination. I said, I've said and said many times over, they get rid of the nation state by selling it off, as they're doing in Britain and elsewhere. Now they're doing it in the U.S. And of course, the present generation grew up in the U.S. think it's all quite natural because of no idea what communism even was. They don't even know they're technically in it. Because the fascist system uses communism to run the rest of you via bureaucracy and your schooling system. China National Machinery Industry Corporation, Cinemac for short, plans to construct a technology zone south of Bowser Airport, which would ultimately be set up to 50 square miles in size. The Chinese Communist Party is the majority owner of, of Cinemac, so the 10,000 to 30,000 acre self-sustaining city that is being planned would essentially, it says here, uh, belong to the Chinese government, communist China. This is the planned self-sustaining city in Idaho would include manufacturing facilities, warehouses, retail centers, and large members and numbers of homes for Chinese workers because they're bringing the Chinese workers. 
basically would be a slice of communist China dropped right into the middle of the United States. According to the Idaho statesman, the idea would be to build a self-contained city with all services included. It would be modeled after the special economic zones that currently exist in China. Well, why not? No one else cares, eh? Eh? Sell it all off. Perhaps the most famous of these special economic zones is Shenzhen. Back in the 1970s, Shenzhen was just a very small fishing village. Today it is a sprawling metropolis of over 14 million people. So I guess Boise is going to boom with a part of China living in the middle of it. It says, if the Chinese have their way, we'll soon be seeing these special economic zones pop up all over the United States. So you can, I'll put this article up too and you can see what it is. It says, as you can see, Sinomich is basically an arm of the Chinese government. The borrower was always a servant of the lender, and now China is buying up America. The reality is that Sinovich is not looking only at Idaho. Sinovich is the, uh, in discussions to develop special economic zones all over the United States. So communist China is their only hope for the future, they're telling you. Hmm. I guess once you get to the utter desperation, and you have robberies everywhere as folk are starving, and uh, and austerity measures are, are fully underway, uh, and you've had enough of it, then China will propose with this takeover of the U.S., and you'll be, you'll be glad to accept the offer. And they'll bring order in very swiftly, believe you me. And it says, uh, will such self-contained communities soon start appearing from coast to coast? And it goes on and on and on. Anyway, uh, you understand that the embryo for all of this was set up a long time ago. People have sent me many links about these special uh, zones within the United States where companies come, come in from abroad and set up many um, uh, sovereign territory areas for, for trading and so on, and they don't have to go through normal customs. Well, that was set up by FDR. That's how far back that goes. That's how far back the system goes for today. They already knew where they were all going back then. It's just amazing how folk haven't a clue what's really all connected and why things are happening. Of course, the media is not going to go and tell you either. This is uh, what happened in Britain. 160,000 asylum seekers granted amnesty by the back door, see members of parliament. The report says another 774,500 cases cannot be traced while the immigration minister hails elimination of backlog from system. There are so many backlogs now, they just, I guess, they just get rid of the, the files. It says, an amnesty has been quietly granted to more than 160,000 asylum seekers over the past five years by the UK border agency that MPs have concluded is still not fit for the purpose in a damning report published Thursday. The Commons Home Affairs Select Committee reports it is indefensible that officials have been unable to trace a further another 74,500 asylum seekers among a total of 450,000 unresolved legacy cases. They've given up. See, Britain's flooded so much they've just given up. That's how bad it really is. And then you find, of course, I remember that the, the, um, when the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations met in Melbourne, Australia, and they published their book, because I've got it here, and uh, it's got all the members who attended from the U.S. and across the planet, and the only thing they don't do is, is when they give you statements that they can't tell you who, who made the statement, but you can guess when you look at the names in the back pages. But they said eventually Brit- India would be allowed to basically flood flood parts of the world. But it was wrong. It may take 40 years, it said, before they could soften up the public 
culturally wise to accept it. And that was uh, a book put out by, from their own minutes uh, for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, held in Australia that year, 38. Even New World War II was going to come up, and they said it would be awfully handy if Japan happened to attack America to get America in. <laughs> this is in 1938. And you think things just happening. Now, in Britain is flooded. And it's lots of people from India are there. And whole cities now have condemned, and you can't have Christmas now because the, the mayors are often Sikhs and so on. And uh, you think you're, you're in India, in fact, if you went to some of these cities. British jobs for Indian workers. Birmingham councils plan to cut costs. So Birmingham's run from people who either are, are first or second generation Indians. Birmingham City Council has become the first in Britain to outsource posts to, in, in, to India. As part of its huge cost-cutting exercise, it shed £213 million from its budget over the next four years. Around 100 jobs will be transferred to the city of Pune in India as part of the plan by the end of the year, and it's believed thousands more will follow. Indian employees have already been recruited to shadow workers in Birmingham, who will effectively train them up as their replacements. The outsourcing is being conducted by Service Birmingham, a joint venture between Birmingham City Council and Capita, which is transferring back office roles such as IT, human resources, payroll and finance posts. Service Birmingham is understood to have already bought over managers, brought over from managers from Indian firms to see which council jobs they could take over. So there's your, as I said, would, you ever, would anybody fight for anything if they could just go, into the future and see what it was all about and what the real goal was. Because that's, that's the conclusion I came to very early on when I started doing my own research. And I wasn't even in high school by that time. I was going to the main libraries to find out what, what was really was going on. And I realized it was for globalism. So really all the Allied forces were fighting for the system that's all coming into today because that plan was a globalist plan. We'd all lose nationality. We'd all... Um, go into this competitive system where the creme de la creme from every ex-nation would compete for the top jobs and the rest of us would be flotsam across the world. Just taxpayers, that's all you'd be. That's what it is. And then you find this other article, tens of thousands of babies to have tuberculosis jabs as National Health Service bosses admit infections out of control. Again in Britain. So thousands of babies can be vaccinated against tuberculosis amid concern over soaring rates of infection. The number of cases has risen by 50%. 50%! It was almost eradicated in the past decade. The National Service fear is becoming out of control. And so they're drawing up plans to vaccinate babies now within six weeks of birth. God knows how that will affect them. And they also say, again, it's mainly coming from outside, primarily India. As, as they just write off all the floods of immigration and don't even go through the systems, they just write them off and let them all in. So here's a killer disease again. It was, it was notorious in, in the 1800s and then into the early 1900s. And here's, it's all, but mind you, I, when I was young, I remember reading books about that too, as they brought in internationalism and those mass migrations of people you would end up with these third world countries, diseases as well hitting you, and the West would definitely be hit. So again, there's not, you understand there's nothing they wrote about before you were born and early on in your life. There's nothing that they ever wrote about that hasn't come to pass. I'm talking about the big players on globalism themselves and their various memoirs, high bureaucrats, 
ex-politicians, um, uh, academic leaders in different professions. All this was foreseen, all of this, because this is the agenda. And this is just part of, again, you can't make the omelette without breaking the eggs. So you take the bad with it too, you see. And then you go on to this article too. And I had so many articles today about police shootings, even in Montreal, and where they, they shot a guy who was homeless and they were chasing him apart. They said he had a knife. We'll never know. Anyway, it killed, they killed him and a passerby. And then the police, they said the police brotherhood of Montreal have issued statements. So all of this brotherhood stuff, it's just right out of the sci-fi movies, the bald scalps and the tattoos and the big guns. Anyway, so many. And there's another one too. Uh, where a guy in the hospital was pepper sprayed to death by the cops. He was in hospital, delirious, with pancreatitis, and, uh, and yelling, because that's what happens when you get delirious and you've got high fever and all the rest of it. So rather than they just either get out the room, right? Uh, and they're also giving them painkillers for the, the pancreatitis, which also, also gives you hallucinations, by the way, Demerol. They pepper sprayed him in a confined space to death. There'll be no, no inquiry. See, the cops investigate themselves now, so there's never any. You understand you're in an authoritarian system now. And we've had so many examples now. They're teaching the public that if they look your way, you're, de- you're a dead man. That's the message you're supposed to get. They want you to be terrified of them. You're being trained. And this one happened in the U.S. I'll put this, this link up too. On Miami Beach Memorial Day shooting, May the 30th, where they eventually want to go and kill the guy taking the photographs and them shooting this other guy in the car. You see them turning the guns on him. I'll put that up too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I'll put this link up too on the police shooting uh, video in Miami, and how the guy who took the photographs managed to get the chip out the, the cell phone and put it in his mouth before they smashed his phone as well. You also see the cops chasing all the, people, the onlookers away, terrifying them. I mean, the gun's drawn. <laughs> this is America, the police state. Eh? Now there's Dave from Arizona hanging on here. There, Dave. Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, Alan? Uh, hanging in here, too, yeah. Good. Great show again. Um, <clears throat> you were talking about third world country status. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say I am in Southern California, and it's going to get here real fast. Yep. yep. Um, I work uh, like restaurant jobs and service-type jobs, and the the types of people that I work with, they are uneducated. They are rude. Mm-hmm. They're probably illegal. Yep. And um, I get managed by these people. Mm-hmm. They're they're in places of position, some of them. Yeah. And I do not understand how they got these jobs. As priority hiring, and a lot of jobs too, you don't understand in that those particular areas are given cash grants by government to promote hiring like that. So they get cash grants to, to, to bring them on. And, and again, too, remember, this, this, is, this is the agenda. Jack Satali, top player at the United Nations, wrote the book, uh, a couple of books on it now, 
And he said that America, very, very, America would eventually be primarily Spanish-speaking eventually. That was the goal. And um, he says the next boat people will be the, the, the old Americans leaving shores looking for work abroad. I mean, that literally is it's a mandate, you see. Same as Britain and elsewhere, it's just open doors. And you've got to understand, to bring in this global system, you must demolish all the old cultures. Tony Blair came out and said that. And you see, this, the, the, the assistant prime minister said that, and I read it on the air here, right from the newspaper, mainstream again, where, where Tony Blair said we must destroy forever the old British cultural system so it could never rise again. And that was part of it. He says we must open the floodgates to immigration from the most diverse cultures. And that's what you've got. And so you go through this period of chaos, same in the U.S. there, where you have diverse cultures who have different ways of treating each other and you as well. And and it's not a polite way to do it either uh, because they're not part of the same culture. So you get all this conflict going on during this process, but uh, we're supposed to suffer through it. You can't make the omelet again, as Rockefeller says, without breaking eggs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's odd because I I see this attitude in these people. It's like there's now I I've noticed there's actual an air of superiority. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're here now, and there's nothing you can do about it. Type yeah. deal. Plus, you got La Raza. And La Raza was funded by uh, the uh, Rockefeller. The Rockefeller Foundation set up the organization in Latin America to form a kind of uh, 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 superior Latin America um, racism. And that's what you're experiencing. You're seeing racism. And, of course, uh, uh, it's authorized. It can be allowed to, to go on, of course. No one's going to object to it. And you're told to be tolerant and tolerant and tolerant as you're treated like a piece of whatever, you know. Right. And the whole irony of this thing is that, like, you know, people are, you know, they're brainwashed all their lives. Though so you, 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 uh, you can't be racist. You can't be racist. Yeah. But yeah, be now, tolerant. Be tolerant. Be tolerant. Yeah, and, be tolerant. Yep. But, but there's a caveat. Certain yeah. groups are allowed to be racist when, uh, as long as other groups are not. Oh, absolutely. Some are more equal than others in such utopias. That's what Orwell said. Uh, such a more, some are more equal than others in such utopias, and these are the ones who are authorized to be racist, absolutely, and they're funded to be so as well by your tax money. Yeah, but thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>